All right. Let's pray. Father, you know every single one of the hearts that is in this room. You know the deep, deep things that we are going through. Um, maybe we've, we've really been hurting this week. Maybe we've just been distracted. Um, but Father, I know that we have, as a church have been under attack this week. You, um, the, the enemy has been working overtime to distract us and to uh, cause pain and, and hurt in our lives. And uh, So Jesus, we are going to simply turn our eyes to you. We're going to turn our, our hearts to your word right now, and we're going to place our hope on a foundation that is not moved by any hurricane or earthquake. We are going to place our faith in your word. And Jesus, we're going we're gonna to set our mind and our, our attention on your word. And for those that are sick, like my mom and and um, Courtney and, and um, uh, Vanessa, just this morning here, God, I pray that you would bring healing into their bodies. Lord, our sickness reminds us that we are very weak and uh, we need your strength. Um, so we, in, in this moment, we want to thank you for the trials in our life. Because if it wasn't for these trials, we would we would think we're so self-sufficient. But through these trials, Jesus, you show us that you are carrying us, that you are with us, that we cannot go on moment by moment without living in your presence. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Today we're going to learn that Jesus has power over demons, disease, and death. Uh, we're kind of combining last week's sermon. So last week we learned about the demon, and it's, it's really a set of three stories in this chapter. Uh, so the demon was the first story, but I'm going to reference it several times today. And then today we're going to learn about disease and death. And, and what we're going to learn is that we need to trust Jesus when it comes to demons and disease and death. We need to trust him. And when we learn to trust Jesus in these areas, uh, we will learn his love. We're going to experience his love more truly and deeply in our hearts. Um, demons and spiritual powers are not our masters, okay? Jesus is. He's, he's got all authority there. Disease does not ruin our lives, uh, even if you think it's ruining your life. It's not. Uh, death is nothing to fear. When Jesus, when we can put our trust in Jesus, these are the, this is the way we're going to see things. Demons don't ruin our lives. Disease won't ruin our lives. And death is nothing to fear. Jesus is going to show us that his power and his love in each one of these challenges. He, he wants to show us that he, he doesn't always get rid of these challenges in the time and in the way that we think he should. But he teaches us to trust him in these challenges. So, so practically, there's spiritual warfare in our lives. There's people in our church. There's people in our lives that are facing severe spiritual warfare. They're being bombarded with thoughts of depression and, and doubt and self-sufficiency and these things that the enemy is planting these seeds. And Jesus says, I'll take care of it, but I need you to trust me first. I need you to trust me. Disease. Sometimes we go through diseases and have things that we wish would change about our bodies and 
And Jesus says, I will take care of it, but you have to trust me. You have to learn to walk with me through it. Even death is an enemy that he will defeat. So let's, uh, let's get right into our text and see what he has for us today. Now, when Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered to him, and he was by the sea. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come, lay your hands on her, that she may be healed, and she will live. So Jesus went with him, and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. So Jairus had a real problem, okay? A 12-year-old problem. He's got a 12-year-old girl. And, and no person can fix this problem, and this problem seems impossible. Anyone else have ha- had a, a problem that seems impossible? You know, a, a, per, a friend, a, a spouse, a, a situation, a disease, a death that's just like, this is impossible. No one can help me. Well, Jairus is in that situation, and so Jairus... De- Jairus demonstrates two very cool things. Number one, humility. And number two, who wants to guess? <laughs> you guys are so awesome. Jairus has humility. Look, it says that he fell at his feet and begged. That is an attitude of humility. Okay? And then it's, he has real faith. He says, if you just lay your hands on her, she will be healed. I believe, Jairus says, I believe. He, he has faith in the right person, and he has faith in his power. And this is the big lesson we're going to learn today. Faith. Are we going to have faith in Jesus? And let me clarify that just a little. Are we going to let go of faith in everything else and put our faith only in Jesus? That's the rub. That's the part that is hard. We don't want to give up and surrender hope in other things or faith in other things. We want to, yeah, I'll go to church on Sundays, but through the week, I'm going to do my absolute, I'm going I'm to make sure that I'm doing everything possible to fix my own stuff and take care of my stuff. On Sundays, I'll seek God. And Jesus is going to convince us today that we must surrender all hope besides him. Jairus, does Jairus, is there any doctors that can help Jairus in this situation? No, there's no doctors, there's no, there's nothing. There's not a medicine in the world that can do this. And so Jairus is in a kind of an easy situation to have faith in Jesus when all hope is lost. When, when he's at the end of all other options. And we might be going through things today where we're getting to that point where almost all other options are gone. If God doesn't come through, we are sunk. And it's like, God, why do you get me to this place? Why are you taking me to just, it hurts so bad. And God says, because that's the only place where you'll finally look to me only. You'll finally give up on all other things. And the first thought in your mind when you wake up is, Jesus, all I have is hope in you. All I can do is trust you. 
And then all throughout the day, all you have is, God, I got, you have to come through for me. And then the last thought you have before bed is, God, what can I do? It's all you. I cannot do this. That is the place that Jesus is getting us to. And that's what our trials are, are, are taking us to. Um, so Jairus, he is there. He, he has faith in the right person, and he has faith in the power of Jesus. So Jesus goes with him. Do we ever see a single story about Jesus where he says, no? Ever. Does Jesus ever reject someone who comes to him with a need and will trust him? Can anyone think of one? No. Because Every single time in Scripture, Jesus is faithful to go and help the person who asks. Every time. So why does the enemy keep trying to convince us that he's not going to come with us? The enemy is so tricky. He says, this problem is really big. And don't, you know, Jesus isn't going to help you with this problem. And we buy it almost every time. And we, we get convinced that we need something and we need a doctor and we need this. We need our spouse to change. We need our kids to change. We need the circumstance to change. And Jesus is like, if you would just come to me, I can take care of it. I will come with you. I will be what you need. Uh, but look what happens. Lots of people get in the way of Jairus and Jesus and they're not moving too quickly. They're not concerned about Jairus and his kid. Have you ever been stuck in a traffic jam when you're in a hurry? Yes. <laughs> Isn't that the greatest feeling? <laughs> no, it's, it's the most frustrating thing in the world. Now imagine if your daughter was dying and you had the one thing you believed could heal her. Imagine the stress. I mean, when I get stressed out, I get this feeling in my chest of like just my heart starts beating fast and my blood, I start getting like hot or cold or like it's just, I get really stressed. And you guys have been there. I, could, I couldn't imagine being in Jairus' situation here. But there's this interruption and I'm sure Jairus is even more stressed out, more worried but let's, let's, this, this story that we're learning is like a sandwich. So we have Jairus at the beginning and this woman that we're going to study and then Jairus at the end. So we're, we're switching now to this woman. It says, now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years. Isn't that interesting? How old was Jairus' daughter? Ah, it's like supernatural how this is put together. And, and she had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. So here we have an unnamed woman. So we had an important guy, Jairus, who's culturally significant. He's, a, he's an important guy in the society. And here we have this unnamed woman, and she has a real problem, a 12-year-old problem. And no person can fix her problem. It seems impossible. Are we starting to see why God put these two stories together? And look what we're going to see in her life. Humility and faith. How about that? 
this, this disease that she had made her unclean. Okay, Having a flow of blood uh, for anybody made you unclean. So that means anybody who touched her would also be unclean, so no one would ever want to be around her. That's the, the meaning of that. So she has basically lost her friends and family and been isolated and alone and sad for 12 years. Doctors could not help her, and she suffered uh, in many ways. And so here's like five ways that she suffered. She suffered physically uh, from just bleeding all the time. Do you know how tired you would be if you just bled all the time? Uh, she suffered medically. Uh, let me give you an example. So they, the medicine back then was a lot different than it is today. And so here's some of the techniques that were found in the Talmud for fixing this thing. I guess having bleeding was an issue back then. And the, there was 11 remedies prescribed in the Talmud. So if number one didn't work, you tried number two. And, if number two, and here's some of them. that, that the, Some of them are potions and uh, mostly are, are just superstitious nonsense. Okay? Um, one of them is if you carried a concoction of herbs um, in your pockets, you would be healed. Another one is if you, you, you had the person who was suffering walk on the road and then the doctors come up behind them and scare them and say, and say yeah, it's just like for hiccups, and, and they have to yell when they scare them, arise from thy flux. And that would magically maybe heal them. Um, so another one is stand over a ditch with your hands in the air and say, arise from your flux. I don't even know what the word flux means. But uh, one of them, one of the remedies called for the woman to carry an ear of corn taken from the dung of a white donkey. Just carry it around. And these were the things that the doctors gave her. This is what she had put her hope in for 12 years. What's crazy is that it's not really that different today. When we have forgiveness issues or we do something wrong and we turn to the world to deal with our guilt, they will give us just as foolish of suggestions. They'll say, it's not really your fault. What your problem is, is self-esteem. That's what you need. Build yourself up and realize that you're a good person. That, when it comes to the Bible and, and correct theology, is dung. It is trash. It is terrible advice because it's keeping you away from the grace of Jesus. Because Jesus gives his grace to who? The humble, right? Who will come to him in faith. So unless you can confess your weakness, brokenness, and sin in humility, you can't get his grace. And his grace is the only thing that can really heal and forgive. So the world, by its man-centered psychology, is trying to keep you away from his power and his grace. So devastating when people buy in. 
because they, they spend thousands of dollars going to their psychologists and going to whatever they go to, to the world, to help them. And it always leads to more destruction and more suffering, just like she suffered here. She suffered more, and she spent all of her money. What else? She suffered emotionally, too. Um, she had been rejected by all of her closest friends and relatives because they simply couldn't be with her because of the society at that time. She suffered uh, socially, again, with her friends. She suffered religiously. She was not able to go to church and not able to worship God, she thought. And she suffered financially, so she had spent all her money. She is now poor. Well, look what happened. She, when she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. And in this, she has real faith, okay? Um, she, we've, we've already seen she's broken. She's got that humility. She needs help. She's going to Jesus, and she says she reaches out to touch him, showing faith. Now, this is crazy. How does, like, what is it, what is touching his garment? Does he have magic clothes? Is his, is his garment, like his robe, magical? No, that's not. But there's a verse in Malachi chapter 4, verse 2, that she probably knew, because that's, they knew the scriptures, okay? And this verse says, But to you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings. In their culture, the end of the robe was called the wings of the robe. Okay, that's weird. And you're telling me that there's magic in those wings? No, it's not magic. What made this cool, what made this real, was that she had something she could touch that showed that she had faith that Jesus was this son of righteousness. She touched his wings, his, the, the, end, the hem of his garment, to show, I believe you're the son of righteousness, and so I'm going to reach out and touch where it says the healing is in your wings. I think that is just really amazing. Is, it, is that what God meant when he said there'll be healing in his wings? probably not, but that's okay because the, the, the issue is where her faith was placed. Her faith wasn't in magical clothes. It was in Jesus. She was saying when she reached out and touched, I believe you are the person that's the healer, the Messiah, the, the son of righteousness. So she had the scripture in her heart and her faith was in Jesus to make that promise true for her. And what makes... Her touch different than all the other people that it says were thronging him, were touching him, and, and all around him. And the, the answer of what made it different was real faith in Jesus. She had real faith. Uh, so Spurgeon quote, Spurgeon quote, here's a Spurgeon quote for you. It is not every contact with Christ that saves men. It is the arousing of yourself to come near to him, the determinant, the personal resolute, believing touch of Jesus Christ, which saves. So in other words, it's not just everybody who says, I believe in Jesus is going to be healed by him, or everyone who's interested in him, or everyone who comes to church. It's those who will say, I believe. I believe. 
that he will reach back and give me what I need, that he will touch me back. Well, look what it says. Immediately the fountain of blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, You see the multitude thronging around you, and you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing that he, what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. So we're told the lesson of the story right there. Her faith was in the right place the person of Jesus. She brought her need to Jesus, and Jesus took care of it. He healed her. And what's crazy is that it was felt. She felt the healing inside. It was powerful. He felt the power go out. He knew that power had gone into her. It was permanent. The healing was legit. No works earned this healing, did they? Only faith. And so the question comes to you and to me today. Are we going to take our needs to Jesus in faith? Or are we going to keep trying on our own? Jairus is about to have his faith tested in a big, big, big way. Look what happens. While he was still speaking, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? As soon as Jesus heard the words that were spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not be afraid, only believe. We could also translate this in Greek, Stop fearing only believe. Jairus could have a reason to stop placing his faith in Jesus. Jesus took too long. Have you ever had that reason? Jesus is taking too long. I trusted in Jesus for five years, but nothing happened. I trusted in Jesus for 10 minutes, Nothing happened. That is the, the, the first excuse that we have to stop putting our trust. Jesus takes too long. Jairus has this excuse right now. But what's awesome is that Jairus doesn't. He doesn't give in. He is going to keep, we're not told that he ever stops trusting in Jesus. He just keeps, he's just like, oh my goodness, what is going on? Jesus takes too long. Jesus is too busy. He does it for others, but not for me. These are the excuses that we have when when trusting in Jesus seems like it's taking too long. Did you ever uh, take a pop quiz that the teacher gave you the answers right before the pop quiz? And you didn't know she was doing it or he was doing it. You're just like, Whatever, you're just talking, teaching, and then she's like, okay, pop quiz on what I just said. 
I always felt, ah, I wish I was paying attention, right? (laughs) Well, that's what Jairus is going on here. Jesus is like, just believe. Don't fear. Just believe. And his faith is being tested right here. Um, And it says, and he permitted no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. Some people think it's because these were the three uh, most, you know, uh, inner circle for Jesus, which they probably were, um, and, and that he, he liked these three guys more. But some people believe that he just, Jesus is like, I need to keep an eye on these three um, because I cannot leave them alone for one minute. And they mess up everything. Which is actually uh, kind of <laughs> makes me feel good because I, I also feel like Jesus is always bringing things into my life to keep me close to him. And maybe it's not because I'm so gifted and I'm so wonderful. Maybe it's because Jesus is like, if I don't keep you on your knees, you will make such a mess of everything. Um, so that's how we can actually give thanks for our trials and understand that they're keeping us close to Jesus. Okay. And he came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and saw a tumult and those who wept and wailed loudly. And when he came in, he said to them, Why make this commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they ridiculed him. But when he had put them all outside, he took the father and the mother of the child and those who were with him and entered where the child was laying. So Jesus so lovingly speaks a word of hope and freedom and good news. And most of the people reject it. They're like, you can't change the situation that's happened. That's too, that's, this is too messed up for you. So what do they not have? Faith. They don't have any faith. They heard the words of Jesus, but they do not believe them. They sound crazy. So they don't have faith. And Jesus, look, has nothing to do with people who will not trust him. Isn't that crazy? Jesus has nothing to do with people who reject his good news. He came. He he wasn't saying jerky things. He wasn't saying mean things. He didn't say repent or die. He said, I'm going to, this, this girl's not even dead. I'm going to bring such life into this situation. It's going to be awesome. And they not just didn't believe him, they ridiculed him. And so what does Jesus do? He puts them all outside. He said, I have nothing to do. You're not going to see this life. I, he has to separate the good work he's doing from the people that won't believe. How many times have we been so faithless that we will not believe that God will heal our marriage or will heal our children or will heal us? He comes and says, I, will, I make all things new. And our faith says, no, not this. This is too much. Jesus, it takes too long. 
Only faith in the word of Christ will see his miraculous new life and joy. All the other people, they're not going to see it. Jesus even is going to say, don't even tell him about it. Faith is our ticket to the show. Jesus has nothing to do with those who won't believe his promises. Then he took the child by the hand and said to her, Talitha kumi, which is translated, little girl, I say to you, arise. So Jesus spoke to a dead girl as if she was alive. And he did this because he's God, right? And Romans 4.17 says that God gives life to the dead and calls those things to exist as if they, uh, those things that do not exist as though they did. And so Jesus spoke to this girl with the power of God and she was raised from the dead. And it says, immediately the girl arose and walked for she was 12 years of age and they were overcome with great amazement. But he commanded them strictly, no one should know it, and said that something should be given her to eat. The love of Jesus is not a show. It's too important and precious and valuable to be treated like a circus. And that's what Jesus was trying to control here. He, he says, my relationship with you guys, because you trust me, I give this life, I give this miracle to you. It is personal, it is intimate, it is tender, and it is gentle. And it can't be shared with people who will not believe. Hmm. So when they said, so how was your weekend, Jairus? He's like, you would never believe. So we're going we're gonna to ask uh, five questions about this text as we, as we close up here. And these are the five questions that I really think that you should ask with any text that you're studying. So feel free to write these down or snap a picture of it or whatever. This is, this is how to really be a, like dig into what God's word is saying. So ask, what does this text teach me about God? That's a real good place to start. And then what does this text teach me about sinful humanity or myself, you know? What does this text teach me about Jesus? What does God want me to know? And then what does God want me to do? So we're going to run through that real quick with this text that we just studied and, and just give a couple quick answers. And maybe you would have some different ones, but... What does this text teach me about God? I, I see that God honors the faith of anyone who comes to him through Jesus. Social status, like gender or uh, any other distinction, famous or not famous or rich or poor, none of it matters. Anyone who will come to God through Jesus, God respects that faith. God cares for demon-possessed people, like the lesson from last week. He cares for famous people and powerful people and he cares for outcasted people and little girls and little boys. God truly loves all the people of this world without distinction. That's, those are some good answers for what does this text teach me about God. Number two, what does this text teach me about sinful humanity? Well, this text shows me that disease and death are realities that we're going to face because we live in a fallen and sinful world. 
And this world is filled with pain and sorrow. And in that pain and sorrow, we desperately need the touch and grace of God given through Jesus. We need it. There's one way to deal with our pain and our sorrow and disease and death, and it's always the same. Go to Jesus. Go to God through Jesus. Take your, take your concerns to God. You know, at this point, I think about Job. And Job, he, he had horrible things happen to him. Death, disease, as much as you can handle, right? As more than we can imagine. And he, he comes and, and he argues with his friends for like 30 chapters. And, and just says, I, I need to know from God. I want God to speak to me. I don't care about what you guys think. You guys are a bunch of weenies. I need to know from God. And God says, I'm not going to give you an answer, Job. At the end, he shows up and he's like, Job, uh, this is way more complicated than you. And you think you can run the world? You want to run the world for a day? I'll let you run the world for a day. And you're going to realize that I am way bigger than you think. And so I'm not going to even tell you why. But Job, here's one thing you got. You handled this the right way. You came to me and you wanted to have a talk about it. And all the other, all the other friends, they had their reasons and they had their, their, their thoughts and their theology. And, and that's where they left it. They never wanted to go talk to God about it. They wanted to figure out the answer. Job said, I, I, don't, I just want God. And God said, that's the right way to handle pain and suffering. Come to me. I'm not going to give you answers. It's above your pay grade. Gripes go up, not down. So you come to me. I will give you grace and love and acceptance. I will take care of you. I will wrap my arms around you and comfort you. And that's the deal. Yeah, we don't get to know why pain and suffering happens all the time. But we have a God that loves us and invites us to come and tell him that you're angry about it. Tell him that you're hurting. And then trust that he hears you and will comfort you in that pain. And he loves you. Number three, what does this text teach me about Jesus? Jesus cares for the hurting, doesn't he? Does Jesus ever reject any of the people? Only the ones who don't have what? Faith, right. Jesus does his work on his timetable, not mine. Jairus was so frustrated, I bet. And uh, Jesus took care of it, right, in his time. When Jesus touches an unclean person, they become clean because he takes the uncleanness into himself. He actually takes it. I, I think that's really neat that Jesus in his love would take our uncleanness. Jesus gives healing and life to those who trust him and he takes on our diseases and dies our death for us. Number four, what does God want me to know? That I can come to Jesus with any request, no matter who I am or what I've done, but I must come to Jesus in faith, believing and not fearing. 
That's, that's the theology that we've learned today. God loves you and he wants to give you grace in your situation. But he says, you must trust me. Don't be afraid. Trust me. Number five, what does God want me to do? God wants you to come to him in humility. What do you think the second one is? Trust him in faith, right? He wants you to trust him regardless of the circumstances of your situation in faith. Why? Because he can be trusted to heal our diseases and to conquer the great enemy of death. So what does this mean? It means your trial has a purpose. Your pain has a purpose. And the only solution, the only end to that, the the only thing we need to realize is being in the presence of Jesus, abiding in his presence, is the only solution. And the enemy will do anything to distract you from that truth. He'll plant thoughts in your mind like, the Bible's too hard to understand. I don't have enough time. I'm too tired. I have these things I need to do first. The enemy will cause strife in your relationships. He'll cause arguments. He'll cause all kinds of stuff. Oh, I just don't feel like reading, the, spending time with Jesus right now. Am I speaking to anybody right now? You guys ever experienced this? The enemy hates when you come into the presence of God and say, God, help me. Because the enemy loses the moment we do that. And then when we have done it, the enemy still tries to say, look how long it's taking. Look at the traffic jam, people. And the enemy does everything he can to convince us that we can't remain in that presence. But Jesus says, do not fear. Trust me. Trust me. That's going to get you through any trial. I'm telling you, anything. You can get cancer today. Get your head chopped off today. It will, I know that was gruesome, whatever. <laughs> it, faith conquers it all because Jesus will take care of it. 